Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's U.S. Open. It's storylines, it's best bets, it's one and done. Joining me to break it all down, Patrick McDonald is here. Hello, Patrick. What's going on, gang? Rick, great to see you in the media center. Myself, I'm running on adrenaline and saliva at this moment, and it's only Tuesday, so I can't wait to get into it. My goodness, adrenaline and saliva, good combination. Mark Immelman is here. Hello, Mark, looking very epic today. Uh, Epic. Uh, Rick, so glad you're in the media center and I'm not. From tomorrow, I'm going to be running on uh, margaritas and the selection thereof, so I'll catch up with you guys after. Wow, very good. All right, I love to hear that. There you go. Well-deserved, of course. Uh, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, hello, sir. Hello, boys. Uh, I'm not running on anything as exciting as you two, just all the normal stuff, but I'm fired up about this week. Uh, I've had such a hard time or such a challenging time kind of try to get into this golf course and read the quotes and compile it and put it together to what we think is going to work. So I'm really excited to get your thoughts on the golf course uh, with boots on the ground, Rick. Uh, Greg, you're in the Northeast. You can be running on Duncan, my friends. That's what you can be. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I could. I, trust me, there's plenty of coffee in my life. Not always Duncan. Make it in the coffee pot downstairs. I guess I could get Duncan for that, but I don't. I do, yeah, I mean, this is not sponsored, but I do make Duncan Donuts coffee at home. I get, I buy the grounds. Wow, and then put it in the put it in the coffee machine. Are yeah. you guys pot boys? You guys brewing pots? Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, but you know what? It takes me a while to drink it, so I, I do like uh, I don't do a full pot and do this same pot all day. I'll brew like whatever, you know, twenty ounces and then another twenty and then another twenty. Okay, I've got a Chemex, I've got a French press, I've got the pot, I've got the drip thing, I've got an espresso, I've got a Keurig. Come on over, I've got whatever you need. Damn, <laughs> I'm a, I'm an espresso boy myself. Espresso is um, good, reliable. Yeah. Greg or uh, Mark is Mr. Coffee. We learned that uh, yeah, already on this yeah. U.S. Open week. Uh, all right, gents, let's jump into this. Los Angeles Country Club, the North Course. It is uh, right here. I'm here. The 10th hole's right behind me. Uh, Patrick, it is a little bit interesting. I think you were uh, alluding to how often like a new course gets into a major championship run here, right? Like what was the last time we had a new course make its debut? I believe it was the 2020 PGA uh, Kalamarkawa TPC Harding Park. And then right. before that, technically Quail Hollow. That was its first major for Justin Thomas. And then you bring in uh, Kiowa Island for Rory, I believe. Uh, Torrey Pines was the first one when Tiger won in 08. Right. But yeah, this is one of those that hasn't really been in the spotlight at all. Well, Aaron Hilton, Chambers Bay. Yeah, yep. those two. And Kiowa was used for a Ryder Cup before that, or is that not a major championship? Is that is that a major, but not a major championship? 
I don't know anything that happened before 2000, so I can't right, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I had a writer's yeah. there. The war in the store. Yeah, whatever. What counts and what and what doesn't count. And Greg, when you've been doing your research, I mean, what what have you found? I can kind of give you some insights that, that I've seen out here, but it's it's a it's a par seventy. It's going to play like seventy five hundred yards. It's there's a lot of undulation and there's a lot of blind shots, and you've got to be you've got to be playing from the right spots around this place. Yeah, um, undulation is a big factor, I believe, it seems like, um, it, which it, it turns into the big factor with where you hit your tee ball, it seems like. You know, not necessarily holes that are straight uphill or downhill, but really sloping fairways where if you hit it in the right side, you end up in the right rough and you end up with a blind shot. If you hit it in the left side, you have a different angle. Um, and, and that concept is uh, allowed for by the width of these fairways, um, which are, uh, you know, sometimes 70 yards wide. They're, they're really big fairways, which is unique for a U.S. Open. Uh, but it's still it asks for precision off the tee. Uh, but I think it also allows players some options, uh, allows players to scramble a little bit more. And perhaps it'll make it a little less penal at least off the tee than we're used to seeing in a U.S. Open. So uh, a little bit of a, a different U.S. Open test that we're used to seeing. The other thing I've heard a lot of reports on, Rick, is the the roughs. You have multiple different types of rough out there. Uh, you have Bermuda primarily, and then around the bunkers, you have a, what is it, like a Kukuya fescue, thick, very different than the Bermuda. And I have a feeling... And I know I'm not the only one here, but it seems like that's going to play a significant role in this championship. Yeah, that's a good segue to, to you, Mark, because we were kind of talking about this before before we went hot a little bit. Uh, we can talk about the fairway rough, but that that rough kind of around the bunkers and with most greens being protected by these bunkers, it, it's it's very much green side as well. This is a, a, a type of, of rough that they, they actually did a bunch of testing on. They built like a test bunker and they laid out like a bunch of different, you know, sod and like to see what they what they could get to come out of it. And, and this is what they settled on. I don't know what the official name of it is, but it, it's very much in play. It is very unpredictable. And guys are, uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, they're hitting a lot of practice shots to try to get the field. Well, yeah. Well, look, I've not been there, uh, not even when I, I've been out there for Riviera and some of the events out in L.A. But what I did do sort of in preparation for this was I reached out to Jeff Shackelford, who is a respected author, is a wonderful um, instructor, in, pardon me, architectural guy. And he worked as part of uh, Gil Hans's crew when they came in here and kind of updated, refurbished, whatever you wanted to say to this golf course. And so he texted me. So I said to him, hey, give me just a quick take on this golf course, and then I'll speak about that rough. Um, he said, uh, George Thomas, Ch Thomas design when remember George Thomas designed Riviera just down the road as well. He goes, it's surprisingly hilly. We'll call for, for multiple shot shapes, ask players to adjust to very few flat stances. And despite being a U.S. open, we'll ask for driver and a lot of holes. Several holes appear, appear wide, but will narrow significantly, significantly with the fairways running. Players need to be ready to deal with a, a vast array of yardages, especially on the five par threes. And then he said um, that six you mentioned is, is sort of will offer a bit of a dilemma, just like the 10th down the road at Riviera. And then he said, with the field coming in here with very little, you know, advanced notice and no data to work with, he said he felt like the practice rounds at this place were going to be as important 
as as any, if not more so, given that these guys just aren't prepared for what the examination involves. And and so to that, from what I've heard so far, I haven't seen anything that the players are just the rough around the greens is punitive. Now there's a lot of wonderful sort of runoffs and chipping areas, which is very similar to Riviera, but with this mixture of whatever it is around the greens, I said so before the top of the show that what I saw around these bunkers with that fescue and almost eyelash looking stuff, that it doesn't, it's, it doesn't, um, it stops the ball from rolling down into the greenside sand. So if you don't have the ball in a bunker or if you don't have the ball in a chipping area, you're essentially guessing because that grass is thick. It's like a St. Augustine sort of looking blade too. And it is punitive. And so I have a real sense that that rough green side around one of these bunkers is probably going to have a say so in who wins the championship late Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Josh, you can run, uh, you can run some of these photos that we have here, uh, Greg, I'll, I'll, I looked like you wanted to jump in there, but what I will say is uh, there's been a lot of Intel sharing in these practice rounds, right? These guys are almost working as a team around this place. Okay. Now you hit one from that angle up this hill. Let's see what it does. Like they, they are trying to download as much information as possible as quickly as possible. Uh, I guess, Rick, the question I wanted to ask you is um, how much around the greens is this rough really in play? Is it just around the edges of the bunkers? Are there areas of, of Bermuda grass around the bunkers? Like when when these players miss greens, what are they primarily going to be faced with? Or is it just a variety for everybody? So that thick, wispy stuff that you see that you, you're that that Mark was talking about is is around the bunkers. This stuff here, this is kind of around fairways and around greens, where this is very. It's kind of hard to tell in these pictures what you're watching on YouTube, but it's it's very random. It's it's very rough. It's it's very patchy. There are lies where it kind of sits up, sits halfway up. Some that drop all the way down there. So you're not necessarily getting that super thick, nasty stuff that you see around the bunkers everywhere. But there is some type of randomness, some type of penalty for being out of the short grass. Uh, very, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. Um, I guess if I had to put a description on what that's going to take, what it takes for somebody around the greens here to perform. And this leads me to another question that I've been pondering all week, um, but it leads to somebody who is very adaptable in their short game. You know, they have an ability to kind of see shots and, and feel shots and handle situations they've never seen before um, and come up with something that's a little more creative, a word that's been thrown around a lot. Um, and that, I, that leads me to the next question, Rick, which is, you know, how hard are these greens going to be to hit? We've seen. We've seen U.S. Opens play varying degrees. Like Pebble Beach, the greens are small, but you could hit them. A good shot stayed on the green, and good shots were rewarded with the green of regulation. Torrey Pines, you kind of saw a mix of both. And at Shinnecock, you saw great shots that didn't stay on the green. So are, are these greens receptive to a, a well-struck shot, or are you going to see carnage into the greens? No, I don't think so. You know, good shots are being rewarded. You know, if you compare it to, to Brookline, I mean, these greens are massive compared to Brookline, right? Although you'll notice that um, some of them are like the eight green is very small, but like the third green is huge, right? Like there's just a lot of different shapes and sizes of these greens, but they are, they're not repelling good shots, which I think is, mm -hmm. which I think is important. Now, whether or not you've got to try to come out of the fairway or out of the fairway rough, 
or or out of the short grass is a different story, but the, the greens are are fair. Yes, what I yeah. want to ask you, Rick, because look, the West Coast, as you well know, you've lived out there for so long, it's very low humidity. And yeah. if you have low humidity, sunshine, and some wind, that's a recipe for a golf course getting crispy quickly. Um, yeah. So, so you say, yeah, the greens are receptive and playable right now. So, how far do the USGA let these puppies go? Because um, I'm expecting with some of the undulations, they, they could get hair raising if they don't uh, sprinkle these places once in a while. There is a rumor floating around the driving range, Mark, that the USGA might water them in between the morning and the afternoon waves. They would have to, I would think. I mean, with, with low humidity and when you're shaving these puppies down like they're going to for the US Open to get the speeds up, it, it'll be it'll be grim, you know, towards the end of Thursday, let alone Sunday afternoon. What are we going to do next to have a shotgun start? You're going to water <laughs> in between the waves? Are you kidding me? This is the National Open, you guys, the U.S. Open. Just Everyone gets a morning tea time. time. Everyone gets an afternoon tea time. Let the boys, you know, freak out for 72 holes. That's kind of been what we what I heard down the range is like, really, are we really going to water this in between? But um, but but to Mark's point, like there's there is some level of keeping the course Okay. Without, without losing it. Yeah. Without losing it before uh, uh, things get a little bit hairy here. And, um, and um, helping the uh, field keep their collective heads before, before Thursday rolls around. Because <laughs> otherwise you'd have a bunch of basket cases before Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the big features, Patrick, that we're going to see, especially on the front nine, the Barranca or the Barranca. I, I don't know if I'm, I think it's Barranca. Barranca. But I say That's correct. Barranca. So Barranca, which uh, is a fancy term for dried up riverbed. It's really nothing fancy, but it is a pretty significant element and feature on probably holes. I think it's like two through eight, uh, essentially down on the on the canyon side of the front nine. And you you'll see these guys. They're walking through this thing, Patrick. And it's like there is just there's nothing good in there for you. Like you do not want to be in this stuff. You're going to have to. it's 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 potential to come into play like the creeks did at Oak Hill or the you know the water does at at Southern Hills like it's it's available on the front nine. It's kind of like the old uh, caramel or caramel debate, right? Which way you yeah. say it? Um, I say uh, caramel. Caramel. There, there you go. Tomato, tomato, barranca, barranca. Uh, so yeah, does it come into play on six at all? Uh. So six is the drivable par four. No, no, because okay. over that tree, uh, no, you'd have to be fairly out of position for it to come into play on six, I think. Okay. I, be- I believe I heard Colin Morikawa talking about it and saying uh, it's like iffy, but you could draw some decent lies uh, in the Barranca, like if, if you're very lucky. And it sounds like that's kind of the whole whole encompassing thing about this course so far with the rough you could draw some nice slides and the barranca you could draw some nice slides or you could be completely boned uh so really the key for these guys just don't mess with that stuff hit the ball in the fairway uh easier said than done i know greg said wider uh, landing areas than we're used to for the u.s open but with the slopes and undulation uh it, it will make kind of these wide fairways feel pretty small uh so it, it's all all very compelling to me and the barranca is just another added layer to that you you could draw a clean lie 
I think you'd have to be very, very lucky for that to happen. Just kind of looking out and, and because the lies, one thing stance, it would be an issue even if you had a clean lie. So there's, there's a lot of issues like that, Greg. Um, the other thing to consider here, and I, and I love just because, I mean, it feels like we've been on this run of major championships. I kind of do like looking back at Oak Hill for the PGA championship, which felt like it was a lot of par and bogey golf. I actually think these guys are going to make a lot more birdies here, at least relative to Oak Hill, but there are doubles lurking big time. And a lot of them come out of the Barranca. Yeah, it, it does kind of seem like that. Um, and especially with the setup potential, the setup capabilities and the options that you have if you're the USGA. So it seems like you can set up holes to be very scorable, very birdieable, and you can set up holes to be seemingly impossible. Um, so I, I think the setup will be a, a big factor there, but with the variety that you get in the lies with um, with the situation you have around the bunkers uh, and the Barranca, you know, a rugged golf course leaves you in this position where when you're out of position, it can go one of two ways uh, and you can make a birdie or you can lose your ball. Uh, and, and that leads to a big variety in the scores that we see. Um, it, then you also, you have short par fours, you have short par threes, you have long par fours, long par threes. Uh, you, the par fives are other than one, not necessarily all that reachable. Uh, and there seems to be a lot of danger lurking around them. So hey, I think you're, you're really going to have to keep the ball in, you know, in between the playable areas in order to ensure yourself, you're going to have a chance. And even then coming into these greens, there's seems like there's double or doubles lurking, uh, which is a uneasy, a very uneasy aspect, even though it may look a little wider than normal. Hey, Greg, that was thoroughly professional analysis there. And I want you to say bunkers and baranka five times fast, because it'll come out as bankers and baranka here very soon. Bunkers, baranka, bunkers, baranka, bunkers, baranka. He's a pro. He's a pro. (laughs) Well, that's actually how I warm up for uh, every podcast. For sure, right, yeah. (laughs) Red leather, yellow leather. Um, the, The two holes that I think, uh, there's a lot of good holes out here, Patrick, but the two holes that I think if you're coming out and, and you want to find a spot, but I also think will uh, play a, play an interesting role. Six is that drivable par four where you cannot see the green from the tee box. Um, and it gives you a lot of options. None of them are particularly good. I watched Rory McIlroy play that hole this morning. Yep. There it is. So, so Rory tried a couple of things uh, lay up down the left-hand side. Then you have to hit to a skinny green. It ain't all that fun. It's not all that good. It's an awkward number. It's like 77 yards, or you just hit three wood, which is what Rory hit. Uh, to the right of that tree and basically pump it down there and just take it in, in the rough on the, on the right-hand side. That's, that's one of the holes. The other one is 15, which is a par three that uh, seemingly it can and seemingly will at some point pay, play like 79 yards. I think number six, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of questions regarding that from players coming into the week, but I think you could correct me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of them are going to pull the three wood and hit it up there. Colin Morikawa said that, he his plan the entire day or all week all four rounds was to lay up to the left and then JJ came in and explained it to him and now he's gonna unless something ha- happens and it's a really tucked pin or whatever it may be he's pumping a three wood down there all four days he said if I'm even par on that hole I'm gonna take it and run kind of like wow uh, number ten at Genesis he says pretty yeah. much if if I don't make the big mistake on that hole with a double bogey or something 
and I'm even par. He's like, some someone's going to play it in three under. That's just what's going to happen. Someone's going to figure it out, somehow play it in three under. But if I'm even par and I get four pars each round, I'm a happy camper. I'm going to take that and run. Uh, Denny McCarthy was pumping three wood out there as well. They did a really nice thing on Golf Channel with him. And I think even Rory McIlroy, like you said, uh, was someone who was hitting three wood to the right. Kepka didn't really give a tell on what he was going to do, but he did say in his presser, he stood on the green, looked back, and he was like, "It, it's a very simple like game plan to that hole, looking on that green and looking back to the tee. So I assume he's pumping a three-wood down the right side as well uh, and kind of simplify the hole from there. He's just basically said to you, because look, we I just mentioned that Shackleford has said there's no metrics on the golf course, but the metrics in professional golf and, you know, thanks to Mark Brody say the closer you get the ball to the target, the easier the shot becomes. And we see the same thing down the way at Riviera with the 10th, um, a handful of guys, if that in that size field actually lay the thing up, the rest of them just try and bash it down the left-hand side, hope for some sort of break there in between those trees and pitch it on the green, hopefully close uh, because a wedge to that target at 10 is downright impossible. And from what I understand from you guys, Rick, especially this, it's very difficult to this place too. So I would figure that all in sundry would just whip it down the right um, and then sort of play up the throat of the green, if you will, and then hopefully make a couple of birdies. If you were going to lay up, Greg, you should just, you should just hit wedge, wedge. Laying up to 77 yards like Rory did this morning is not the play. You can't hit it high enough with enough spin to get to stop. It's uphill. It's a very awkward number. It brings a lot more trouble into play. You might as well just lay up to 150 and hit a full shot in to the to the narrow part of the green. If you hit three wood, uh, it's actually a little bit to the right of the tree off the off the um, off the tee box. If you do that, you just have to get it over that tree. You'll be in the rough or you'll be somewhere around it, but that's that's a that's a better outcome. Yeah, it, it seems like that is the play. And uh, Mark highlighted it beautifully. We've learned that in professional golf, unless there's a penalty area where you can lose a ball, the best option, and actually in most cases, even if there is a penalty area, you set, you yeah. send it, you send it. And what, so drivers out of play because it's too much club. Is that the... Well, I mean, for Rory it is. There's definitely guys who will hit drive. Right. But you hit it up there and you figure it out from there. I mean, it's like... You know, the saying around the greens, well, uh, uh, you know, a bad putt is better than a good chip. Well, it's the same deal. If, if you hit a pitch shot that's poor, that's going to be better than a shot from 77 yards or from 150. Uh, it, it's just going to pan out over time. So I, the caddies know that. The players know that. And my guess is, especially when it's penal around the green, right, that you know, it, it's uh, problematic if you miss on that third shot or, or your second shot, rather, it, it becomes a problem for your third. So get it up there close, get take that shot out of play. And I think you're going to see a large majority of the field do that. If they don't do it Thursday, I think they'll figure it out by the by the weekend. Hey, Rick, just along those lines, too, I, I don't often look at the comments, but I just saw this, too. And it sort of goes with what we were saying with just the trends on the PGA Tour. When you have a full-size field like this, this is 156, I believe it is, um, there was a question here, is the advantage for Thursday for the first-round leader likely to come out of the morning? I would, I would bet almost everything I had on that fact because in the morning, the greens are a little smoother, less traffic, 
it's always a little bit more moist. You know, there in California, you get some of that marine layer in there. It ho sometimes holds some of the moisture in the green. So, you know, if I was a gambling guy, I, I would certainly lay some money on some dude that was in the morning Thursday to be the first round leader. Yeah, Rory was out alone first off the tee this morning. And it was, yeah, it was it was pretty receptive. And then obviously as the day goes on, that marine layer burns off and everything dries out pretty quickly. Uh, Brooks Kepka, our most recent major champion, Patrick, is going for number six this week. He thinks he can get to double digits. Um, how do you assess Big Brooks' chances of getting it done this week? Uh, it, it's hard to question anything he's saying. I mean, you look at the Masters, he said it would never happen again. He puts himself in position, and guess what? One month later, it didn't happen again. Uh, so for him, I, I loved everything that he said, and people are talking about his health being back, his confidence being back. When Brooks is on his game, he kind of has that chip and a little smirk when he talks. He has that smirk like he's going to walk past you to class and stuff you in a locker on his way to the back nine to contention on Sunday at a major championship. And that's what it looked like at the media center today. This has been a great championship for him. He doesn't have to go super low. low. He just can par you to death over and over again. And I really liked what he said. Uh, he said he kind of thrives in the chaos, kind of going – full-on Bane Batman mode saying, you know, I was born into the darkness. You merely adopted it type of deal. Uh, <laughs> and someone asked him, like, when when did you know you loved the chaos? And he was like, Shinnecock Hills. Everyone was moaning about the golf course. And he's like, they all forgot. We're playing for the U.S. Open here. Uphill putts are pretty easy still. Uh, so <laughs> he, he's cocky. He's confident. He's ha He has his game. I will say, as I said on uh, the Sunday show, I think the one hole you could poke into it is he's, he didn't play uh, leading into it, and he's been a guy who loves to play into major championships. We haven't seen him since the D.C. event on the Live Golf Tour. In uh, all five of his wins, he has played the week prior. Uh, and outside of those, the 14 that he hasn't, he's finished outside the top 37 of those times. So if there's one hole, something to look at, maybe a little rust, but by all accounts, he's, he's firing on all cylinders. But here's the irony of Brooks. Okay, and look, yeah, to, to that, that press conference, he clearly got his swagger back. And if I'd seen the press conference before I had submitted my one-and-done pick, I, I would have went with Brooks Kepka, just the way he looked. So I'm so on board with you there, Patrick. But remember the PGA Championship? I think he, he basically cobbled together a scrappy 74 on day one. He had basically not very much going on whatsoever. And the irony about him... As the longer major championships go on, the more he finds his way to the top of the leaderboard, where he's playing on a league where they only play 54 holes. So if he gets off to a slow start, he doesn't have the benefit of time. But that guy that I watched, the way he was talking, uh, the way he, he played at the PGA Championship, um, the way this golf course looks like it's shaping up and it might, and look, we don't know, it might become a birdie bonanza and it may just be where par is a really good score. He has that major championship mindset right now. And, and I'm fascinated to see how the whole thing transpires because he clearly, he, he's, he's, he's figured out what just about all and sundry in the professional game are trying to. And that is what do I have to do in preparation, in play, in recovery and relaxation afterwards to bring out my best. And he's proven time and time again, now five times that he knows how. The, uh, I think Brooks is going to have a good week, Greg, but point out two, we'll split, we'll split hairs here. 
he had mentioned he doesn't really like the idea of the blind shot. And there's there's quite a few of them around this place. I also think of Brooks Kepka as an aggressive putter, kind of just like rams it in the hole, doesn't mind if it goes five feet past. I'm a little bit worried about that. I think there's going to be a lot of testy putts. I think things are already going to roll out. I, I don't want to be the guy who tries to ram in a five-footer and it catches the lip and now it's seven feet away, right? Like that, that I, I almost prefer a guy who's a bit more defensive this week. Um, you know, it's interesting because we have, uh, you know, when I think of California golf, Southern Cal especially, well, I guess really all of it. I think of Poana Greens, uh, but we have Bentgrass Greens here. Uh, and that is very curious. So what does that do to the percent make percentages on short putts? Um, and so is that a concern to me? I I think Brooks knows how to figure out whatever he needs to to contend and win a major championship. I mean, in, in, in his history at the U.S. Open, he's gained strokes in every single event putting that has measured strokes, uh, strokes game putting. Um, every single U.S. Open. So that includes, obviously, Aaron Hills and um, and Shinnecock, where he won. Uh, and it goes to 2019, which was where was 2019? Pebble, Pebble. Beach. Yep. And then uh, and then he didn't play at Winged Foot. So 21 was Torrey Pines, and 22 uh, just last year at Brookline. Every every single one he's gained strokes putting. I think he's going to figure out the greens. Um, and, and I, I feel like he's a very opportunistic putter, uh, and he's very good at those tricky par saves. And, and I think that lines up really well for him. Uh, I'm going to lump a couple more big boys together here, Patrick. It's Scotty Scheffler and it's John Rahm. I, um, if one of them gains strokes putting, they win. That's, that, that's it. That's all I have to say about these two. Yeah, I think for Scotty, the T to green metrics are historic. The bogey rate, sub 10%, like 2000 Tiger Woods uh, at the moment. And there, there's nothing you can say poorly about T to green. But personally, <laughs> I don't love the fact that someone is tinkering with a pretty substantial club, the putter, on Monday, looking at new models, new weights, whatever it may be. And I understand it's warranted. He's been dreadful on the greens. If he puts normal, he wins in, at Colonial. If he puts normal, he boat races the field at Jack's place. Uh, but like Greg said, when it comes to Scotty Scheffler, do you have faith in him on the back nine on Sunday to make a slippery 10-footer for par, to keep the momentum rolling, to kind of fend off someone? We saw Brooks Kepka do it at Oak Hill on that par five on the back nine when Hovland punched him in the face with the birdie. He dripped that slippery par putt over the edge uh and, and that's really the big question mark for scotty Scheffler this week and i don't know the answer and i don't think he knows the answer either good call uh, that, that really is a good call and and i think back to a recent podcast we had where you pitched the question rick all right are we concerned about Scheffler? and i was like a little because you know he looks more and more and he's actually acknowledging it now he's speaking it where he's like the hole's looking smaller and smaller and then Kyle said, I'm not worried about him because he's going to out-hit his putter. You win U.S. Opens. A U.S. Open largely is a game of recovery. And so you're going to, you're going to be faced with four- and five-foot putts all day long. The same thing happens at Augusta National because you can hit a good putt at Augusta National with a fast greens where you have four feet coming back. So you're going to face your share of that. And, and to the putter adjustment, 
You know, he was Scotty, the, the Scotty Scheffler I know, because to this day, he still uses a five iron in warm up with a formed grip on it every day, even in, in tournaments. He pulls out this thing and hits balls with his club. It has a basically a ribbed grip to show you where your hand should go. He's done this since the year dot and he's loath to change. And he, he sort of does the same thing all the time. And he has a guy now on the greens that has got multiple putters out there, not just a backup. And they're different designs, different head weights. And so this is a guy now that's clearly searching. And then I'm watching, too, how he's kind of grinding out there. I did watch some of the coverage this morning with um, what looked like a path plate and then a, a start line little goodie where you put through the gates. And so he's grinding on the stroke shape and the start lines. Now, look, is it possible to win doing this? Yes, because I was involved with one on Monday at the Masters. My brother was like, I'm never going to play this golf course well in 08 because he was putting so poorly. We made one fine adjustment. He won later that week. So is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? Not so much. So I'm really keen to see, look, the ball striking is otherworldly. I've talked about this. But you cannot out-hit this stuff when it's coming down the stretch because you're going to have to make one of those putts. You're going to have to. I don't care who you are. You don't have tap-ins all day long when it comes to winning major championships on a Sunday afternoon. Scotty Scheffler out on uh, Thursday morning with the California boys, Greg, Max Homa, Colin Morikawa. We can go with Scheffler, or we can go with John Rahm. Also uh, a morning tea time with Xander Shoffley and Victor Hovland. The storyline for Scotty is the putter. For Rahm, it is also the putter, but it is his dominance in California, winning 20% of his tour starts uh, in the Golden State. It really is dominant. And I'll say lastly on Scotty, um, we know that the putter has been an issue. So to see him tinkering, it doesn't bother me because, but the reason is, well, how much worse can it get? You know, I, and so I, you know, I, I still, I'm kind of in the same place with him, but you know, if he finds something that works, he's going to win. Um, so yeah. we're, we're in yeah. the same if he, place. If he stinks with the putter, like, okay, cool. He's stuck yeah. with these continues. Uh, right. Right. A, a true. So if I, I, I die, I die situation. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I, so I don't worry about that. I, um, but that being said, John Rahm is, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's a similar situation. He put it poorly at the Memorial, but he's having a much better year with the flat stick. Um, and in fact, if you're going long-term, I, I think he's not number one in the world because, um, he's leaned on his putter a little more than Scotty Scheffler has, which is a, it's a great thing. It leads to wins. That's why he has four wins and Scotty has two. Um, but he hasn't been as consistent because he's leaned on the putter a little bit more. Um, I, I look at John Rahm with his putting prowess. I, I think his putting's really quite good. Um, and, and I think it makes him, it separates him. It elevates him above Scotty Scheffler as the most well-rounded player on the PGA tour. And it, when you look at a golf course like this, where there's a lot of unknowns out there, uh, there will be a lot of adversity. The players will face, they're going to face unique setups and unique wins that they haven't seen before leading into it. And I, I mean, I think there are three players who are, who I have full confidence in that they're able to adapt and adjust to any of the circumstances. And we've talked about all three of them. Now it's Brooks, it's Scheffler and it's Rom. Uh, and there's a question about Scheffler with the putter. I don't have a question of, with Scotty Scheffler um, at, at all. So, or I don't have a question with John Rom at all. 
there is the question with Scotty and the putter. So, yeah, I'm a, a big fan of Rom this week. Okay, well, we're going to continue to talk. We can talk about Rom, but we got to talk about some more uh, big names in this field trying to get it done for a major championship. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Rory McIlroy, Patrick, is, as I mentioned, uh, went around this place on Tuesday morning by himself. First guy out off the first tee. There was like six people following him. It was great. And I'll read his last four U.S. Open finishes. T9, T8, T7, T5. So what are we getting, like a T4, T3 this week? Oh, man, the back four might be wide open for Rory McIlroy to step through, get top 10 number 19 since 2014. (laughs) Uh, But... I kind of like how he's going about this week. I loved that he canceled his media session, block out the noise. He doesn't need to, you know, hear from us idiots in the media. Go about your business. Like you said, by himself, just him and Harry and a few other stragglers on the just, golf course today. Just Rory, just Rory, Harry, and Rick out there this morning. That's all. The, That's all he the, needs. The best of boys, uh, <laughs> f- close friends and family only, a very intimate ceremony there at LACC. And I, I think for him, it'll be kind of, I know we talked about his wedge play. It, it did improve a little bit at the Canadian open based on what uh PJ splits one one posted in the strokes gain metric. It sounds like you're going to have a lot of difficult golf holes and a lot of, you know, easy scoring chances. And it's the way he's still got the big miss going, I think off the tee. And that's what I'm kind of concerned about uh, when it comes to Rory McIlroy, but it's been a very low energy season and he comes in with three top 10 finishes. He held the 54 hole lead at Memorial. Uh, he said in Canada, he kind of wish he didn't make that final putt on Saturday to get into the final group. So he would have gotten, you know, bumped up a couple hours in the tee times and gotten kind of softer conditions out there. But it, he he's becoming increasingly more difficult to figure out uh, just because, you know, one week he comes in with energy, like in the major championships last year and has all these great results, but he's coming in with, you know, no energy, none of that Rory bounce. You know, he's not bobbing his head or anything, but he's still finishing. So I, I really have no idea what to think of Rory McIlroy this week. No presser, Mark. All golf this week. He's Rory McIlroy for Pete's sake. Okay. Yes. Yes. What I saw last week. Um, well, maybe it was Saturday evening. Um, we were having dinner downstairs, myself and some of my colleagues, and and Rory was in the same restaurant in the hotel, and he, you know, was buoyant speaking about how excited he was to come and see this golf course and rick the fact that he was out earlier with you this morning at six whatever it was speaks to that so it wasn't just lip service um i have i've seen a guy because i didn't i wasn't with him uh, last week in canada but he was close enough so i could watch some golf and he looks like the golf swing is freeing up a little bit more he's not he doesn't look like he's afraid of that hook as much and then he hits that underneath block off the tee that he is and is I've always said that Rory is kind of an elegant Phil Mickelson in the way he plays. Maybe he doesn't have the, the, the Mickelson short game skill, but he, he always just 
pulls out driver and he's just like all guns blazing kind of thing where both Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus, multiple major champions, you know, won the Grand Slam. They were very cerebral in their approach. And then I've watched Rory over the last couple of weeks adopt some of that. Now, the driver's always been his calling card, but he's okay now mentally to go, to go you know, if I hit two iron or five wood or something in the fairway, um, I'm going to give myself more chances, which I've watched him doing. And then just a final point, I think the addition of an extra wedge to the bag this week is a really good move because it gives him some options because some of that wedge play that everyone on Twitter who's not seen the guy play, they're just watching freaking computers on the TV uh, that, are, that they're complaining about. It, it's because he's trying to stretch wedges at times and he's in between numbers. And not everything is binary where it's like, okay, I've got a wedge in hand and I've got the perfect yardage like I do when I'm on the range. You know, on the golf course, you've got un uneven lies, crosswinds, you know, got a figure of bounce and stuff. And too often I thought he was trying to hit wedges too far. So I feel like a, an extra wedge in the repertoire is really going to unlock him a little bit. And I hope he continues to go with some of that, like, I'm just going to put the ball in play off the tee thing. Because last week when I last checked, he was pretty well up there in the strokes gained um, approach shot me metric. And if you had a number of greens in regulation at this place, you're going to be just dandy come Sunday afternoon. Uh, Greg, this is um, starting to lose track. Eight and a half years, I think we're up to, on uh, the major championship drought for Rory McIlroy. It's probably been longer than that since he hasn't done a presser at a major championship. Uh, he has tried everything, playing his way into a major, uh, not playing his way in taking it very seriously and saying, I'm going to live or die with this major or saying, ah, it doesn't really matter at all. We have tried a lot of different mindsets. Now we are going with only golf. Maybe this is the one that gets it done. Uh, it, it's a, it's a worrisome thing to me because when you look at it in contrast with Brooks Kepka, who pretty much comes in with the same attitude, the same system, every single major championship, um, it, it's a very different approach. Um, and Rory doesn't know what his approach is for these majors. Now, maybe we're looking far too into it because like Mark says, he's Rory McIlroy. Uh, mm. You know, he, he finishes inside the top 10 with his C game. And that's what the, these last three weeks coming in on three top 10s, it doesn't feel like we've seen good Rory. And so, you know, where do you sit with that? He's been playing through the improvements, little alterations to his golf swing. And if you start to see Rory trust it this week, could this be the week that he trusts it? Yeah, I think that's a real possibility. I like that it's his third week in a row. Uh, I, and it, it feels like, as for the media thing, I, I don't know if I would consider the no press conference strategy a well maybe this will work for a major i i don't i don't think that's the motive i think this is very much related with um with live golf and that whole situation and rory knows that he would set the state uh that set the stage for the entire week for every other press conference because he was what uh, he was on monday he was one, one of the first press conferences scheduled so I think this is a new chapter in that world and he's clo he's closed the door on it. And now it's Rory, Harry, Rick, and the golf course. And I, I don't know. I, I, my instinct is that's pretty good for him. Greg, I, Greg, I, I feel where you're going and I agree. And, and I just want to sort of throw it back to last week where at the uh, Canadian open, 
the news drops and then Rory's in the press room, I think the day thereafter. And so they asked him about how you feel about it. And he started to give his take and stuff that he'd heard from Jimmy Dunn. And he said, but to be truthful, what I don't miss or what I didn't want is this stuff to come to Canada and have to start to answer all these questions again. So I'm not at all surprised that at this event, he just said, no, I'll talk to you guys after the first round. And he's still going to get live questions then. I did find it somewhat ironic that the USGA, because they always sort of put groups together, they'll have a funny group and a fat group and a, you know, whoever. <laughs> yeah, they, they, if you look, there's always a theme to their groupings that they put the alpha guy off the PGA Tour and the alpha off the live tour together with a Deki Matsuyama, kind of like Switzerland in between the two, <laughs> two of them, <laughs> rounds two, one and two. So, or, well, or a guy who turned down the money. Right, yeah. maybe yeah. Switzerland. Exactly. I don't know. They're yeah. they're pulling from each side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I think the move was good, and and I think getting singular about it and, and kind of trying to avoid all the questions and really just focus on what he's got to do is probably the best way to go. And and, and look to clarify, I don't know what to expect from Rory McIlroy this week. Like you guys said, he's Rory McIlroy. I expect him to, you know, if he has a bad week, top twenty, good week, top ten, but. Whether it's fair or not, at this stage in his career and given his place in the game, 23-time PJ Tour winner, he's judged on major wins. And so from that respect, Is he judged on the sure. eye test? No eye test for him? Oh, Rory's ne- – I mean, come on. That I've, swing? I've, Are you I've, kidding I've, me? He's Rory. He always passes the eye test. Yeah, it's, it's so sexy watching him play golf, except for like one hole. Hey, one more thing just occurred to me. Like I think you said this, Patrick, and when you spoke again, it highlighted it to me. Um, Rory is sort of searching for Rory, but he doesn't have the luxury of just playing free with no concern for anyone because the the burden, if you will, of expectation on Rory, I think is greater than it is on Brooks Kepka. And lo and behold, here's the two of them. Brooks has five now. He's got more majors than Rory, but the fans expect less of him. They're like, oh, it's, Bro- it's Brooks. But the fans expect so much of Rory and he feels that and you get those Rory vibes. I mean, Last week, I was out there Sunday, and it was freaking, it was a circus, and it was electric, and I will never forget it. And you get Nick Taylor serenaded on every shot he hits, but Rory McIlroy was the same thing in Canada. So fans around the globe, he's like the, he's the, he's front and center. So I think he carries this burden too. So perhaps now withdrawing from the thing and just showing up kind of Tiger-esque in a way, just to play, then go and play and go and not, not be in the media the whole time, I think is not a bad move. I've got the T-sheet here. I was just trying to find the fat group. I don't see it off the top. Off the, <laughs> back from that. Uh, here's what we're going to do, gents. We've got, we've got some work to do on, on best bets in one and done, but we've got, we had a lot more guys on the outline to talk about. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go around and we just talk about anybody you want. So some of the guys that we had been considering uh, here in the outline, Greg, start with you, Xander, trying to go get his first, Patrick Cantlay, Victor Hovland, fresh off victory, trying to get their first. Will the LA guys figure it out? Uh, Max Homa, Colin Morikawa. So this is, this is you. You, you pick, you pick the path, Greg, choose your own adventure. Well, I don't think it would be a first cut podcast without mentioning the name Jordan Spieth. Um, and, and so he, he's my choice. I'm very curious. Uh, and I would say, Rather confident that Jordan's going to have a really good week here. Uh, it just it makes so much sense to me. Now I love what Jordan's done T to green with the ball striking, uh, the driver especially. I mean, he was second in driving accuracy at the Memorial. Jordan Spieth, right? There's something coming together here. Um, 
the wrist, I feel like, has to be in a better position now. Uh, his iron play this year has been phenomenal. It's 11 of 12 events that he's gained strokes approaching the green. Yet with Jordan, it never feels like we get a venue in a major other than, well, in PGAs and U.S. Opens. I'll clarify because the open always looks great for Jordan and the masters always looks great for Jordan. So PGAs and us opens, it always feels to me like it's just not a Jordan place, but this one with the width and the space and the opportunity for creativity uh, and his short game, it, it seems like a match made in heaven. Well, there you heard it. Jordan Spieth, your 2023 us open champion according to Greg Dushar. I don't mind it. I don't mind it one bit, Patrick. Uh, the floor is yours. Where are we headed here? Uh, I'm going to go with the LA boys. La, okay. la, 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 Colin Morikawa and Max Homa. Max okay. Homa, known for his, uh, one, his play in California, four out of his six wins, including two this, uh, two this season. Uh, played right. well at the Genesis as well. And Colin Morikawa coming off the back spasms. He is right. crouching down to T, but by all counts, he's 100% healthy. Okay. I saw him do that, and I was like, what yeah. is he doing? I was like, is the ground that firm that he is he's earning, having so much? He's earning pip money. <laughs> I exactly. not, okay, I saw him do that, and I was like, that is so bizarre. Okay, that's to protect the back. But, I mean, both of them are going to have to overcome i mean colin hasn't won since the 21 open it's been a while for him now he looked great at memorial mark you said you kind of liked what you saw from him uh over the weekend at colonial and, and i mean it, a u.s open is i think statistically should be colin morikawa's major championship you pepper fairways and you hit a lot of greens and you two putt and you pick off the occasional birdie you don't make big numbers to me, that is Colin Morikawa to a T, and you get him in L.A. 4-0 at the Walker Cup. People have brought it up, uh, you know, at nauseum. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have Max Homa, who's mightily struggled on the big stage. Uh, he's the only player inside the top 10 in the world without a top 10 finish in a major championship. Like I said on Sunday's show, 43 straight major champions have had a top 10 finish before they won. Um, and I, I would love to see Homa just get in the mix. That is all I'm asking, you know, get the blood flowing a little bit. He comes in with, you know, some decent form after kind of an up and down spring played what quail and colonial. I'm, I'm, I like that. He kind of, unlike Rory, he kind of took some time off. He, his sister got married uh, and hopefully the good vibes, the positive vibes, as he would say, and, and all the home fans, I know there's going to be a lot of pressure on his shoulders, but I, I hope he can handle it. Okay, uh, Rick, the, I, I feel it is your oyster, Mark. Yeah. I have a, I have a charge for you. To go out and find Wilco Ninaber and watch him hit a driver or two. I saw him on the range. He hit it. He he hit it out of the range. Yeah, yeah. and not even breaking a sweat. Sick. And yeah. then yeah, then then go call up Bryson, whoever, and say, dude, come swing as hard as you can and see if you can keep up with this boy because he can't. And then, um, look, I, I think this is going to be sort of a blue chipper's place because it asks you all of the questions. You got to be managerial. You got to hit the right shots. You got to control distance with the irons. You've got to have the complete game and you have to be mentally pretty acute. Um, and there's two names that are really sort of standing out to me. And the one, Rick, is your boy, you know, Victor Hovland. I, 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 I worked so hard to, avert, to be disciplined and not use him in, in one and done this week. I honestly did. And the other one is Xander Shoffley. I, I feel like this dude is a major champion in waiting. He's playing in California. Um, the, the game is trending right now. 
get this. I mean, it's sick. He's played six U.S. Opens. He's never missed a cut. His worst finish has been 14th. He's, he's finished inside the top 10 five times. Now he's at home on a place where it loves a drawing driver. And that is right up his alley. So um, I, I feel like the one California boy and the Norwegian uh, keep, keep tabs on those two this week. Yeah, I think we might be getting a first-time major winner this week. Give me, just led by Cantlay, Xander, Victor. Like, I think it's coming. Spoke with uh, Victor and Shane Knight just uh, about an hour ago. Obviously, confidence is very high coming off the Memorial win. Obviously, they're feeling good about the game. They like the way this place might set up for them. So things, things good in uh, Camp Hovland. Uh, gents, we are going to go through our best bets. We're going to release the one-and-done selections. But first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. If you've never joined us before, producer Josh gives us a hundred bucks to go over to Caesars and we put 50 on a matchup of our choice, 30 on any finishing position that we want and 10 each on two separate outrights. Uh, Josh, release the board, please. And Patrick, why don't you lead us off with your matchup? Yeah, I know. I just said I'm rooting for him uh, uh, this week, but I'm, I'm picking on Homa and I see I'm not alone. So that that's always good. And uh, the, the other guy who will be inflicting the pain will be Cam Smith at even money. This guy's quietly riding five straight top 11 finishes between his T9 at the PGA Championship uh, and on Live Golf. And there's been a lot of Australian sand belt thrown out this week when it comes to describing LACC. Um, you think about Riviera as well. I know home has played well there, but so has Cam Smith and George Thomas designed that one. Some Augusta National with some uneven lies, wide fairways. Cam Smith's played pretty well there, too. So I, I like him. He's someone who, uh, if he gets a little hairy off the tee, he has the short game and the putter to back it up. Uh, Greg, you found the same exact matchup for this week. Yes. I'm thinking with Cam Smith here, I'm thinking Kapalua. That was a part of Patrick's uh, – Patrick's. well, I forget the analogy he used. But you got a little Kapalua. He's won there. You have the Open Championship. It's wide. There's space. Great success at Augusta National as well. Um, I think it's all kind of coming together for a player like Cam Smith. Uh, and when you add what he can do on the greens – he can really separate himself on the greens, but also with iron play. Uh, and those two areas could give him a real big advantage. I think they, I think this golf course is going to ask for his strengths this week. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Cam Smith. And I, I mean, I hope he proves me wrong. I don't trust Max Homa at this point in majors. Um, even here, even though he has the course record here, uh, I got to see a little bit more. And I think Cam Smith, being the the dog in this is uh, you know a little unfair so i think i think that played into my decision as well put some respect on that name dogs, i took a bulldog Russell henley minus 130 over sahith mark what is your matchup for me i'm going with a boy who yeah uh, i'm gonna make some canadian enemies should have won last week in canada and tommy fleetwood um He's carrying a mini driver. It's kind of a beefed up two wood that he hits like laser straight. And he drops it down on the ground, hits it flat and far too. It's like 280, 290. The ball's going to roll out. He's going to play from the fairway a bunch. And it just looks like Butch Harmon has really helped him into some self-belief because I was with his group early uh, last week in, in uh, Canada. And he got off to a fast start, two, 200 through two. And I'm like, here we go. And then all of a sudden, he started to do sort of Tommy stuff where just... 
it didn't look convincing to me. And then all of a sudden, he's in there with a putt to win a few times. So I feel like he's playing with a lot of confidence. I feel like he takes down a big tone this week in the U.S. Open. All right, 30 bucks on the finishing position. I'll just fast forward us here. Uh, Xander, top 10 for me. That's plus 165. Patrick went with Ricky Fowler, plus, 20, uh, plus 190 to finish inside the top 20. Mark went with Harris English, top 40, plus 140. And Greg went with Justin Rose to finish inside the top 20 at plus 150. Greg, why don't you give us uh, both of your outrights? And both of them are the same odds, 25 to 1. Yes, I've spoken about both of them already, so we can make this quick. Jordan Spieth and Cam Smith. Um, I, I think the creativity is going to be a big factor here. Uh, I, I think that iron play and short game are going to be a huge factor. These guys have it in spades. Uh, yeah, Jordan Spieth and Cam Smith, sign me up. Uh, we've got some overlap here. Uh, I went with Jordan Spieth at 25 to 1. That's one of Patrick's. I went with Xander Shawfley at 18 to 1. That's one of Mark. So, Mark, you went with Xander and who else for this week? I went with Xander and Fleetwood. Although, you know, it's hard not to consider Matt Fitzpatrick. He's playing great, defending champion. It's hard not to consider Scotty and Rahm and Brooks and Rory and those guys. But I just went with Fleetwood for the number. I think plus 4,000, 40 to 1 is a good bet. And and I got a, I got a sense about Xander Shawfley. I really do. I walked a handful of holes with Matt Fitzpatrick this morning, and it was the most efficient uh-huh. data collection practice round I have ever. I want to be best friends with Matt Fitzpatrick is what I, is what I want. It was so cool to watch them just uh, get all the intel as quickly as possible. Patrick, I already spoiled one of your picks for this week. It's Jordan Spieth. The other one is by far the longest one we have on the board. Look, legends are made in the Hollywood Hills, in the city of Los Angeles, the city of Angels. Blind resume, this guy, seventh in total strokes gained last three months, fifth in driving accuracy, six top 20 finishes in his last seven events, including three in Desi's, a top five at the Masters, the 18-36, 54-hole leader at the 2021 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. It is 150-1. to one the Georgia Bulldog, get on the Russ bus, Russell Henley. Let me uh, love let it. Me, I love let me it. Put your mind at ease here. You've given all the data. His mom and dad have both been very, very sick. Um, and that's really, but he's, he's battled with that. He's had, he's had to withdraw a few times from events, but catching up with him, he says he feels good, good to go. Was up there in North Carolina practicing a little bit. Uh, that That's a smart bet by you there. Okay. Thank you. Fifty to one. Russell Henley, best bets, 50 bucks on anything that we want. Uh, again, I'll run us through here these quite uh, quite quickly so we can do the one-and-done stuff. Denny McCarthy, top 30 for me, plus 150. He's been great. Patrick says, no thanks, Max Homa. He's going to miss the cut, plus 225. Mark, giving a nod to the yeah. seniors. Patty Harrington, top senior, plus 175. There are three of them in the field, Stuart Sink, Phil Mickelson, and Podrick. Um, they're all young at heart. But I just feel like Podrick, is, is, he's got that childish way about him, and he's playing great, and I feel like he can easily pip both Phil and Sink this week. And Greg actually finds a wager that Mark had earlier as well, Harris English top 40 at plus 140, so good synergies there. All right, time for the one and done, the moment we've all been waiting for. Uh, I don't know if we have the final purse yet, but it'll be three points something to the winner. Patrick, we teased this earlier in the week. Uh, it has come to fruition. You and I are going to battle together with who? 
I almost went full Trojan horse Yasser on you, Rick, and kind of, but we're going with John Uthin Rom, <laughs> the 2023 U.S. Open winner, five out of five wins and 25 starts in California. It'll but he's not, he's not on your bet, your betting sheet. <laughs> no, because I'm using him here. I'm, you you got to <laughs> diversify, man. You, you can't be in, look, John Rahm's uh, a large cap. They're crushing this time of year. I got a lot of small caps on the betting card, which, you know, you know, a growth opportunity there, like 150 to one <laughs> long shot. Uh, but John Rahm, your 2023 U.S. Open champion, he said today, someone asked him what it would feel like to be uh, the first Spanish golfer to win the U.S. Open twice. The guy didn't realize John Rahm is the only Spanish golfer to win the U.S. Open. And so he was like, well, I mean, yeah, it'd be it'd be great, I guess. <laughs> And, and to win it three times and four times yeah. or whatever else he has to do. Uh, John Rahm for myself and Patrick. Vamos, John Rahm. Vamos. Is, uh, I believe, in route right now. Uh, is Lone Wolf in it with Brooks Kepka? Greg, you, Sia Najad, and the fans have all found the same golfer this week. Who is it, please? It is Cameron Smith. Who is on my bet card? All over my bet card. Um, look, this is this is the time when you use the live players because you're going to be a little limited. And when you're, he needs he's going to leave guys off the table. I'm not at this point, given my position on the board. So I, I like Cam Smith here anyway, but given it's a major, uh, there's only two left. I'm gonna I'm gonna use him here. Uh, sneaky little Kyle M is lone wolfing it with Colin Morikawa and Mark, you are in the lead by yourself going to the first tee on Thursday with who? Xander. Mm. Um, but I will be honest. I wrestled with myself on this decision. I, I was so into choosing Brooks because of the very reason that, uh, that Greg said with the live guys, I've still got Brooks and Cam Smith available. So maybe open championship time. I, I thought about Victor Hovland, but I've got an idea for him later on in the season. So I was like, I planned for Xander in the beginning of the year. And I was like, well, just stick to the plan. Because the couple times this season, I have deviated from what I had planned. Things didn't work out so great. Two of them worked into miscuts. So uh, I'm going with a plan. I'm going with Xander. Uh, for those just listening at home, here we go. Mark, 16 million. Xander Shoffley. Kyle M, 14.4. Colin Morikawa. The fans, 13.2. Cam Smith, Rick, 12.8, John Rahm, Sia, 11 million, Cam Smith, Greg, 9.6 million, Cam Smith, Kyle Porter, 8.1, Brooks Kepka, Patrick, 7.8, but only for now, because that number is going to go up by about $3 million, John <laughs> Rahm for Patrick. One by one by one, these national opens shall be mine. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we will be back round by round Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to break down all the sights and sounds of the North Course at LACC and find ourselves a United States Open champion. Big thanks, producer Josh, does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman can be found on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. Patrick McDonald at Amateur Status. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.